hear me all right? Amen. Good, good, good. Man, this is a good church, huh? I appreciate you guys. I can sense there's some hunger in the room today, you know, hunger for the word of God. Last time I preached, I was like, let's pray for hunger. It's like, I sense it in the room today. So I'm going to get right into it because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to make anyone that's hungry wait. So let's go right to the um, Colossians verse, Colossians 3.23. Why don't you guys read this with me? And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Heartily meaning like with all of your heart, with everything you have, do it as to the Lord and not to men. And that, that as to the Lord is worship, okay? That's the definition of worship, as to the Lord. And we're in a series called Worship, and we're talking about worship, and, you know, Christians, we have a tendency to kind of compartmentalize things. Well, worship, that's music, or worship, that's singing or dancing. Uh, worship is every moment of every day, right? It's everything that you do, every little tiny thing that you do. And you te we tend to think of certain things as spiritual and certain things as not spiritual, but worship is how you interact with others. Worship is how you behave in the car, and worship is how you clean your room. Okay. Oh, I'm going to get all up in your business today. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get all up in it. So, Jesus, we thank you, God, for this message. We thank you for this church. God, I, I, I just pray that you will light my words on fire into the people's hearts today. That it wouldn't be me talking, it would be you talking. That it wouldn't be me getting attention or anyone else getting attention, but you would have the attention. And that you would burn conviction in our hearts and you would burn your love into our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So in 2018, I want to tell you guys just a little bit of uh, what's been going on in Mariah and my, in, in our life, in our lives. In 2018, uh, we went to Overland Missions Conference. Uh, Overland Missions is the people that have uh, the, the kites are with and the, the beams are with. If you guys were here when they spoke or when they came up. Uh, they were there, that's where we met the Beams. Um, we were in Zambia, and we were surrounded by all these missionaries, and we, we, we knew the Lord had called us to go there. We weren't quite sure why, but we 100% knew he called us to go there. And everybody's kind of saying, well, you know, you, look, you guys look familiar, you know? And they kind of all have this mission thing, and they're, they're like, I bet you'll become missionaries, you know? Mariah and I are like, really, you know? <laughs> I don't know, you know, we're open, we're listening to the Lord, and so we say, let's pray about this, and so I say, babe, let's pray, and so we're praying, Lord, you know, what is it, you know, is this, are you calling us to this, and, and it was just dry, and he ended up speaking to us during that week that we were there, and he spoke over and over and over, but he didn't speak missions, he spoke finances, he called us to finances, over and over and over, and something that I kind of knew I had on my life, but it was something that he was very specific on, I want you to, I want you to raise finances for the kingdom of heaven, and, uh, and we knew that we were going to be going back to America and raising finances. And so I said, you know, Lord, come on, man, really? These people have given up everything. I mean, they're out on the mission field. They're out here, you know, they've, they've given up comforts and family and friends. And they've gone and they've, it's cost them everything to do this. 
And, and you're calling me to go back to America and uh, raise finance, become wealthy? And he said, what makes you think, this is what I heard right in my spirit, I heard it right when I prayed, what makes you think it won't cost you everything? <laughs> and I was like, yes. I actually, that was my response. Yes, that's what I want. That's what I want because I want to give everything for the gospel. I want to give everything for the kingdom, right? And so I, I was actually excited. That was a lovely thing for me to hear. So we come back, let's say this, three years went by, 2021, and um, I was on Craigslist. I kind of knew that we were going to be buying a business pretty soon. I, I had some money saved up. I was kind of like, I, I, I knew that that's, you know, I make good money at my job, but um, to, to fund kingdom advancement and to send missionaries out, it's like, I, 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 I need to bring in uh, wealth, you know, and that's in business. And so I, I, I knew I was going to be buying a business. I felt it. And uh, here I go and I find this yacht business. This, this 50 foot beautiful yacht, and basically it's this business that was already in existence, and he was taking people on doing these little two and three hour cruises, and I'm going, the, the numbers make sense, all of this looks really cool, let, let, let's go check this out, and I could, I could spend 10 minutes on this story, but suffice it to say that the Lord was in it, he absolutely confirmed, this is what I want you to do over and over. The yacht, and uh, I named the company Florida Luxury Cruises, and we out two, three, four, five hour cruises, they go out, we, we, we give them a, a beautiful plate of charcuterie. We do all this stuff. And uh, that was last year, 2021, so the, about, about a year ago. One of the first problems that I had with my business was the macerator pump uh, was backing up. How many of you guys know what a macerator pump is? Two, three. The macerator pump's the poop blender. That's the poop blender on the boat. So, you know, here's Florida Luxury Cruises, and the toilet's backing up, and I'm going, what, what is going on? And by the way, I know nothing about boats. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm, not, I'm not a big boat guy. Well, so I had to figure this out. I'm like, what the heck is a macerator pump? Basically, the macerator pump pulls all the contents of the toilet down. It blends it up, and it sends it to the holding tank to where you can, you can pump it out later. Well, uh, so I'm calling, I'm calling, I call this guy from Miami, and he comes all the way over, and we work, man, and we get this, we get this thing totally changed out, uh, all day Saturday, Sunday, just covered in sweat, um, get this thing changed out, and now, yeah, yeah, it feels like that, ah, and, uh, and it gets fixed, and I go in there now, and I press that button, and it is like an airline, and I love it. I'm like going in there, so I just, half the time, sometimes I'll just sneak away from the group and press the button, just watch the toilet flush. I've never been so happy uh, to see this toilet flush. It is awesome. But the question is, how do you change a macerator pump as unto the Lord? You know? When I've got my contemporaries over there in the mission field winning souls and I'm called to do this and I'm down in the hull of the boat and I'm going, do every, everything, do everything as unto the Lord. How do you do it? You know, it's like, do you just not swear? <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> I want to go to Solomon, First uh, Kings chapter 10. You can turn your Bibles there if you have it, or it'll be on the screen. Solomon, uh, Solomon pulled off one of the most amazing feats ever in all of history with what he built. He built 
a temple so unbelievable and so, su- such a level of excellence that it's, it's, it's actually quite amazing just to read, especially if you've ever built anything. He, uh, he sourced over 180,000 people in order to do it. That's about the size of Microsoft. Um, he traded 100,000 bushels of wheat and 110,000 gallons of olive oil in order to source cedar logs. Now get this, he had pine, which is, by the way, what we use for all construction. He had pine, and he had some of his own cypress logs, but the best logs known to man, the best wood to use for building was Lebanese cedars. So he traded what he had, and he brought in Lebanese cedars. He had all the stones cut and quarried and cut at the river so that nothing at the temple site would be banging and clanging and and making a bunch of dust. He had it all done away and then brought in. When it was built, he started covering everything in gold. All all those cedars that he spent time sourcing, he poured gold over them and, and covered them in gold. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it became famous, and the queen of Sheba comes to hear, she says, I've heard about this temple, and I want to know what's going on with it. And so, yeah, we can pick up right there. So this is what the word says. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was, tr- it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are these servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. I want you to pick up on something. His wisdom, coupled with his excellence, or his opulence, or his abundance, convinced her of the Lord. It wasn't her God. She said, blessed be the Lord your God. She was aware that God was with him just by the atmosphere. And the question is like, how do waiters dress that can point to God? Like when she saw how the, how the food was on the table, like how do you set a table in order to display God? That's my question. Was it a lot of food? Was it just shiny? (laughs) Solomon's wisdom led to a level of excellence that displayed God without any words. And that is worship. See, we can over-spiritualize things. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to tell people about Jesus. But the question is, like, do you show up late to work time after time, you know? Do you milk the clock? Do you pad your lunch breaks? Are you clean? That's a serious question. Do you smile? Like, what's your reputation at work? Do you complain? Do you roll your eyes? The boss, you know? Do you join in with perverse humor? Do you gossip? Do you swear? I'll say this, I think, I think I've witnessed to more people by not swearing than I have, to, than I have 
telling them about Jesus. It's like the weirdest thing. I'll, I, I don't swear. I'll be around people at work who swear. They'll say, bleepity bleep. And the next thing you know, I mean, three, five days in to me working, they'll say, bleepity bleep. Sorry, Gabe. And I'm going, what are you apologizing to me for? <laughs> what do I have to do with this? And like unbeknownst to me, just following by the simple principles of the Lord, the simple things that are, that are known and obvious and clear, but we don't want to call them spiritual, you can actually create an atmosphere that changes a place, that testifies of God. So I want to know, can we do this? Can we replicate what Solomon did in our own lives? Can we, do, can we make it to where what we set our hands to uh, flourishes in such a way and creates such an atmosphere that people can't help but worship God, can't help but say, oh my God, God is with you, this is clear. And I want to do that. And so I have five things for us today of ways that we can implement what Solomon did, okay? Can we pull off what Solomon did in our own little corner of the world? Number one, first of all, you have to be called by God to do what it is you're doing. God told David that he wasn't building the temple, that it was Solomon that was going to build the temple. Solomon was called to build the temple. And that's not to be overlooked. You got to be called by God into what it is that you're doing, you know. And God has a specific calling on your life. It's not random, it's specific. And it's things that are built into you about who you are that are going to come out when you actually follow the calling of God in your life and stop running from it. And a lot of times, you know, we'll ask ourselves, well, what do, what do I want to be when I grow up? Or what do I want to do? What do, I, what do I love to do the most, you know? And those are okay questions, but they're not comprehensive questions because God might call you to something that you don't want to do, you know? God can call you to something that scares you or that you would never think to do by yourself. And so you don't want to center around yourself, oh, well, what do I want to do? Even though sometimes God will, the Bible says God writes uh, the desires on your heart. He basically gives you the desires of your heart when you are in love with him. And so when, when he gives you the desires of your heart, you can kind of reference yourself to be able to see, oh, God is calling me to this because it's a desire of my heart. But again, it's in conversation with the Lord, and he'll tell you. And a lot of people know. It's like I know some people who have known their calling for a long time and just kind of keep doing their own thing. Every time they come back to the Lord, they, they're hearing the same calling. You got to be called by God. If you want to have the level of impact that Solomon had in your, in your own life, you have to be called by God, and you have to follow his calling. That's number one. Number two, uh, I, yeah, I got those on the screen. Perfect. You have to be anointed to do what you're doing. This is different than calling, okay? You can be called into something, but then you can try to do it your own way. And that... Uh, will result in disaster. I, I, I'm a good example of this. I actually knew that I was called into finances for the kingdom early on. And, and so my thought was, well, let's get started. And I would just start business here, start a business there. I'd be trying to do things. And I tell you, it's like dragging yourself through the mud. I couldn't get, I couldn't get anything going at all. And that's how you should know. You should be able to assess your life and say, is the anointing of God on this or not? Because if the anointing is on it, you, it will be easy. And it's not that it won't be challenging, but it'll be easy. Like, you'll go up to a door and touch it, and the door will swing open. That's the feeling that you'll get in your life when you're like, God has anointed me to do this. You know, you ever heard, I, you can have a talented singer up here, 
And you could have somebody, you know, super, super talented, and they can sing a good song. But if you've ever heard somebody anointed to sing, and you all have, it's like you have tears running down your face, and they might not even be as talented as the talented singer. So you have to have the anointing, and you want the anointing. And that comes by continued relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to partner with the Holy Spirit throughout the entire process. Your ideas need to be Holy Spirit birth. Your time needs to be spent in prayer. You need to have frequent communication with God. And even, in fact, I would say, you need to always be with God. And you need to be running things through the Spirit. Like, uh, when I have decisions to make on the boat, for instance, like, do I hire this person or hire that person? Or, or, do, or do I use this contract or that contract? I'm listening. Like, I'm listening to God and watching for his signs. Because he, and he directs me. And, it, and it's crazy. I wish I could tell you all the times that he's, that he's directed me on things and saved me from things that I shouldn't have done because of the anointing. I'm gonna, I, I, the, the boat has been very successful, and I'm going to continue to be extremely successful as I walk into the anointing, and that's what I want for you guys. I want you paying attention to the Spirit. I'll give you an example from Scripture. Abraham was called to be a father, right? And then he, he decided to do it himself, right? So it's like Abraham, it's like, well, I'm called to be a father. I'm really old. I don't know. God hasn't, sh- God hasn't said anything else. So let's, let's, ha- let's have a baby with a maidservant. And so he does that, births Ishmael, and just brought a bunch of trouble into his life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, next thing you know, his maidservant and, and his son are getting kicked out. His wife's furious, although it was her idea. It's like... <laughs> That's not a commentary on life at all. I'm just, don't take that the wrong way now. That's all, don't want you in the whole church. Get me in trouble. <laughs> Lots of people are birthing Ishmaels because they're unwilling to wait on God to fulfill the calling. Amen? So you guys know there's things that God has told you about, and it's like, I, can, I, I feel like there's people here that, that are waiting like, when is it going to happen? I know you told me it's going to happen. When is it going to happen? And you got to wait. You got to wait until it's his timing. You got to operate under the anointing. Don't make it happen yourself. Don't force it. It'll cause you trouble. If God called you to something, this is one last point with this, the anointing is there for you to do it, okay? So if you're called to something, that looks scary or, or, or seems like something that you can't do. The anointing is actually there for you to do it, but it comes only through relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that brings us right into point number three. Point number three, you have to do something that you can't do by yourself. Therefore, it requires faith. First Kings 3, 7 through 9, I'm going to read this to you. The, uh, Solomon, um, God asked him, this was before the temple, long before the temple. He said, he was, he was just a kid, just becoming the king. And he said, what is, what is it that you want from me? And, and he says this, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? You see, Solomon recognized that he was called to something that he couldn't do. He couldn't do it on his own. And so he bowed down before the Lord and said, God, you have to do this. It's got to be you. It can't be me, you know. 
And without God answering that prayer, Solomon never could have done it. So it was faith. It was by faith that Solomon did that. And if you, under, if you read Hebrews, you'll find out it's by faith that everybody in the, that, that did anything in the Bible worth noting, they did it by faith. God's calling requires faith because he calls you to things you can't do. A few examples I wrote down. He called stuttering Moses to be the, his voice to Pharaoh, right? He's like, Moses, you're going to go speak to Pharaoh. Moses is like, but, 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 but. <laughs> but I can't, I stutter. He's like, I'll be your voice, you know? I mean, Moses didn't want to do it. He called, he called old Sarah and as good as dead Abraham to conceive a child, right? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. I didn't make that up. He called Abraham to then turn around and sacrifice that child. That's impossible, you know? He called Esther to confront the king even though she could die. And he called the Virgin Mary to conceive. Think of that. <laughs> like the list goes on. You have to have faith. You have to walk it out with faith. God will make you able to do the impossible. But it's not just any impossible thing. It's the thing that you're called to and you're anointed to do. He's calling you into something and it's going to be something that you wouldn't normally do or that you can't do. See, I knew nothing about boats when I bought this business, let alone yachts. <laughs> the entire journey has been a faith journey. I guess I got a, li a little bit of time, so I'm going to tell this story. So in, in 2021, so this year, uh, actually it was right at the turn of the year. And this shows how far I've come in this journey because I was a totally different person in 2021 when I started with the boat. When I started with the boat, the macerator pump and all that, everything is like causing me anxiety and freaking me out. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, and I've come to a whole new level because I've watched him respond to my faith each time, and my faith has actually grown, which is what it's supposed to do, right? Faith is like a mustard seed. It grows. It starts little. It grows big. Leave it in. Give it time. It'll grow. So I'm giving it time, and I'm, and I'm trying, and, I, and it's growing. And so here in 2022, right at the turn of the year, uh, we were at Overland Mission Conference again, and... Uh, I, I, we just got done with worship, just sitting down about to hear a message, and uh, I get a phone call. It's my captain. I know he's on a cruise. I, I go out. He said, listen, Gabe, one of the engines is overheating. He's like, it's smoking. It's, bur it's burning up. And I'm going, okay. He's like an hour out already. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, throw it in neutral. Put, just run it on one engine and, uh, you know, keep it going. We'll get it back. We'll deal with it, you know. And, uh, and he's like, all right, all right, let me just do that or whatever. And I get off the phone, and I go back into service, and I'm focused. And I, and I get done, and I go, man, God has brought me somewhere. Because I wasn't sitting there wringing my hands and worrying and going nuts, okay? Well, let me finish the story, because I'll show you exactly why he brought uh, or how I made it. So I, we're leaving the conference, and I'm going home, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the engine. And so I go... I go, hey, we're going to get home kind of early. Babe, I think I'm just going to go out to the boat. And I, and I was just fired up from this conference. I'm going, I'll just go out there. Jesus will bring it. It's not I who live. It's Jesus who lives in me. It's not my boat anyway. It's his boat. Let me just walk out there. I'll just go sitting in the engine room and wait for him to give me the answer because I don't know. But I'll just sit there and look around. And so I did. So I went out there, and I'm like looking and tinkering. I don't really know what I'm doing. And here comes Nate Grimes, too. He comes back. He wasn't even supposed to be there, and I'm already going, what are you doing here? Oh, hey, man. Well, why don't you stay? He came back for some receipt or something. He work, he works, he's working the boat. Anyway, so um, 
So then uh, I'm fiddling around, and I'm finally like, I don't know what's going on. And, he sa- and, he, and he's asking me about overland missions. So I said, let's just go on the front of the boat. Let's just sit and talk. I sit down for probably t- 10 seconds. We start, we start talking, and my neighbor comes up, uh, Luis, and he says, uh, hey, Gabe, what's going on? I'm like, ah, nothing, man. I just, I've got one engine overheating. I don't really know what's going on with it. And he says, well, tell me what's happening. I told, I told, give him a little more detail. He says, it's your, it's your impeller. It's, it's your water pump impeller. And I'm going, okay. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> you know? and, and he's like, and he's described to me, it's, it's right here. You know, go in, go look around this area, and you should find the screws. You take it off, take the housing off, and you'll find the, water, the impeller. And so I'm like, wait, I think I know what he's talking about because I was reminded of another impeller that someone fixed with me. And so I went, and, and I found it, and I'm like, hey, it's these six screws. Let's try it. And I take it off. Sure enough, the impeller is all shredded up. I pull it out. I'm, I'm like, he's like, yeah, you can get one on Amazon, 40 bucks. I'm going, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm going, Nate, he wanted you to see that because this is how it works. This is how the faith walk works. It's like, don't let the problems, it's so easy to let the problems make, your, make, make you turmoil like the winds and the waves, right? But it's like with Jesus in the boat, you just, you just go. Just go forward. It's like, it's like when they surrounded him, you know? It's like they surrounded him. He was at the cliff, and it says, then he just walked through them. <laughs> and that's what you can do. You're called to do that. You're called to just walk through the storm. That wasn't in my notes, so that's free. <laughs> All right, number four. We're getting through. Two more points. You have to do something for someone other than yourself. Yeah, amen. If the goal of your calling is centered around you, I question whether or not that God called you to that. Or at least you have more work to do. See, my calling was finances, and it was originally very contaminated. I found myself uh, daydreaming about things that I would buy, uh, maybe wealth that I would have. Maybe I'd own a yacht someday. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Uh, and it was all for myself, and that's what I was thinking of. And God had to purify me of that. He had to teach me that I was called to finances for his kingdom. And let me tell you, he did. And some of that process where I was trying to start businesses and hurry up and hurry up and let's go and let's go and I'm running out of time and let's make this happen and, and uh, exponential growth and blah, blah, blah. He, he's going, you need to wait because you're not ready because I was thinking about it and doing it for myself. At, the, at now, I am so focused on the kingdom, and that's why he brought me through that purification stage, and now he can actually trust me with some of these things. And, and, it, and the craziest thing is, believe it or not, he gave me a yacht. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> and it's like, you can say, yeah, you wanted, it, you wanted it from the beginning. And it's like, honestly, you want that boat, I'll give it to you. If God told me to let it go, it's gone. It, it does not own me. It has nothing. It, it, my hands are so clean with that thing, and honestly, it's been more work than... And y'all can imagine, <laughs> I'm sure. So. <laughs> so it's like, but it's what I'm called to. So if you're content, if if you're if you if the end goal is always about yourself, you need to re re look at it. Let him purify you of that. Solomon built a temple for God. Your number one priority needs to be God's kingdom. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. He doesn't say seek it while you're seeking other things. He doesn't say you know try try to give a little time uh, every day. 
He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put, put everything into seeking after God. Your number one priority needs to be God. And your next priority is very much like it. Your next priority is others, right? So he said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you ought to be thinking of your neighbor at least as often as yourself. Amen. How many of you guys have seen the movie Ratatouille? <laughs> That's a good movie. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of crummy Disney movies these days. That movie is so good. And I cried like multiple times in it. And I, and I didn't even know why. Like she said, she said, uh, everyone can cook. And I start crying. And I'm going, what is going on? <laughs> but I'm not serious. I'm, not, I'm serious. I sense something in the spirit on this movie. And there was a, there was, um, there was a scene here, and I'm going to read it to you. I was going to show it to you, but apparently that's illegal. So there's a scene. I'm going to read it to you. And... Uh, and, you know, I started crying on this scene, and I'm going, God, what am I crying about? Am I just this sponge, soft boy? Like, come on. And, uh, <laughs> and, he, uh, and he said, and, 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 so, and so this is what it is. Ren, uh, Remy is this, this little mouse. And, and, and he's running away from his family. He got thrust out into the world. And, and he's going through, and he's, call, he's called to be a cook, okay? He is a cook. He's really good at what he's doing. And he's running through this house, and, and he sees some people over there, and he's in this little corner of the kitchen, and he sees a little piece of bread, and he picks it up, and he's just about to take a bite. And Gusto is the chef who is dead. It's like a little angel on his shoulder, right? It's like, God, it's like the God character. It's his idol, Gusto. And he shows up. He's the chef, and he says, what are you doing? And Remy says, I'm hungry. I don't know where I am, and I don't know when I'll find food again. And Gusto says, Remy, you are better than that. You are a cook. A cook makes, a thief takes. You are not a thief. And Remy says, but I am hungry. And Gusto says, food will come, Remy. Food always comes to those who love to cook. And I'm like, why am I crying about that, God? And he didn't answer me for a while, but then like a few weeks in, he made it clear. And, and, and he showed me, see, you got this rat, and it's like, okay, first of all, it's a rat. That's what they do. They go and they scurry and they eat things that aren't theirs. But, but uh, you know, think of Aladdin, like, God is still to eat, God to eat to live. And this is what's like, you're, like, sympathy is a little dangerous, right? Because you think about uh, Aladdin, it's like, okay, you know, he's poor. You take a little thing. It's kind of funny. He's got the monkey. They're stealing things here and there. And it's like, it, and Gusto comes along and says, what are you doing? You're stealing. And I'm like sitting there going, I guess that is stealing, ain't it? And he said, but he's hungry, you know? And he calls out his identity. He says, you're not a thief. You're a cook. And that is profound. That is what God does with you, by the way. He says, you're not angry, you're righteous. You know? And he calls out your identity. This is what you're supposed to do. And he says, cook's cook. And this is the craziest thing because it's like, he's hungry. Just give him some food. And it's like, no, cook. And it's like, well, what do you cook with? You cook with food. Well, I don't have any food. Food always comes to those who cook. Dave, you're not getting it. I got chills because it's good. It's all over the Bible, by the way. It's Elijah. Remember Elijah? He goes to the widow. He says, cook me a cake. She says, this is my last portion of bread and oil. I was just about to go cook it, and me and my son were going to eat it and die, is what she says to him. And he says, cook it for me. 
Man, that is so good. And what is it? Well, it happens. She cooks it for him. She says, okay, well, whatever. I cook it for him. And she cooks it for him, and the oil never runs out. Because food always comes to them who cook. Fishes and the loaves, man. 12,000 people, Jesus says, feed them. Oh, I feel the anointing on this, man. If you don't hear it, I feel it. He says, feed them. That's what he's telling you today. Feed them. Feed them. And, 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 and they say, well, we don't got no food. And they say, well, what do you have? One meal. And they feed 12,000. And there's baskets full everywhere. Because food always comes to those who are willing to cook. Sympathy won't get you there. You got to give out of your need. Out of your need, you're giving out, you know. You, you have a need, you have something that God told you you're going to get, but you're not getting it. Give it out. Take care of others. You're called to take care of them. Why does he say it? See, Jesus says, uh, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And what does he say? Everything else will be added to you. You, don't, you will not have to worry about it once you start giving out. It's like you're going to notice things coming to you. And that's the perversion of the whole, you know, sow a thousand dollars and you get this money back or the, the, the whole prosperity gospel that took a wrong turn because it was all about themselves. But this isn't about you. Seek first the kingdom, love others, pour yourself out for others. You will never be without. Thank you. God will take care of you. Uh, the, the very next, the very next, in First Kings, let me give you the example, the very next scripture I don't know if I have that. Yeah, I do. This is, this is literally just after the Queen of Sheba started praising him. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, as if he needed more. Spices in great quantity and precious stones. There never again came such an abundance of spices as the Queen of Sheba gave to the king. The reason, the reason that it's moving to me is because God is so cool. He will, he will, um, he will say, cook your last meal for him. And he won't tell you how good he is underneath it, but you know how good he is. And, you, and you, he wants you to put faith in his character because he will always take care of you. It's like, duh, I'm going to take care of you. That's what Jesus said. If you being evil take care of your kids, how am I not going to take care of you? So give that last thing. It's like, it's like, it's so powerful because his reward is so much better than what you're holding on to. You know, if you can give... He'll take care of you in such a more powerful way that it's like you'll, you'll, it'll break you of the poverty mentality. And he doesn't want his children to have this poverty mentality where you've got to hold on to everything. Because he's, he's eternal. He's infinite. He could provide you with everything. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So it's like if you will give it to him, you will never, he'll never be without. Number five is powerful. Last, last point, you have to do it with every fiber of your being. Solomon poured all his effort, all his resources, all his skill, all his ability into this project. And this is where the excellence comes in. This is where the opulence and abundance comes in. Remember, whatever you do, do it with all your heart as to the Lord and not to men. Sounds a whole lot like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's like DC Talk said, love is a verb. <coughs> And in this place, there's no end to the abundance, there's no end to the opulence, and there's no end to the excellence when you make it here. You, you, you import the finest cedars, and then you pour gold over them. That's, that's what it looks like. Let's take a look at what heaven looks like, because we're called to bring heaven to earth. 
Let's go to Revelation 21, 18 through 21. It says, The wall was made, oh, I guess I have this in NIV. It'll be a little different, but that's okay. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city wall was decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold. It was of pure, transparent glass. And it's like, what if Christians were known to be the most skilled creators? You know? Like, what if we were known to be the hardest workers? To be the least lazy? For never complaining, for always showing up on time, for getting things done, and then for paying attention to details and not running over things and not being in a hurry. What if we were known for creating heaven on earth? You know, this is what heaven looks like. It's like I named the business Florida Luxury Cruises for a reason, and I didn't even know the reason because God was teaching me about luxury. Why would you paint the streets gold? <laughs> Isn't gold of, of immense value? It's like in heaven, the streets are paved with gold. It's a symbol of the eternalness of God, of how grand he is, of how great he is. The best thing you can come up with, he'll pave the street with it. So, I hope you guys like that. I think, um, yeah, good. Thank you. I think um, some people probably also, I, I don't want this to be too much about your career or your chosen career. It's about everything that you do. It's every little aspect of your life uh, you, 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 can, you can create like Solomon created. And so I want to take you to First Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, and we're just about done. It says this. This is Paul exhorting uh, the Thessalonians. He says that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly. Notice he doesn't say talk properly. That you may walk properly toward those who are outside, that you may lack nothing. Uh, My mom recently told me she was um, praying and she said, you know, Lord, I haven't been doing much for you. I don't serve in church. I don't really, I feel like a little underutilized, God. I, I pray, if, you know, if you want me to do anything, I pray you show me. I, I want my hands to be used for you. I pray you'd show me. Well, within about a week or so, she gets called up from a friend who does these catheter bags. Like, it's a little ministry that she does. She basically... My mom sews, and so she called and asked, could you, could, you, could you create like 20 or 10 of these catheter bags? So, you know, it's basically like for hospice patients who are in the hospital or in hospice in their last days of life, they have a Foley catheter, which is a catheter that drains their bladder into a clear bag so the nurse can see how much urine they're making, but it's sitting there at the side of the bed. They usually have all their family around them. They're nearby, and it's like, who wants that? So... So they make these catheter bags, and, and, uh, and my mom is like, catheter bags? All right. 
<laughs> if that's what the Lord is telling me to do, all right. And, you know, so she goes, and it, but then she's telling me, you know, then I realize, it's like, I realize all this. It's like, you, you're creating dignity for someone, you know? You're covering up the thing that ought to be covered up. It's the waste, and it ought to be covered up and put away. And you're saying, you're actually declaring, just by making this bag to cover it and making something beautiful and handmade that goes around that, you're saying, you're not dust, okay? Like, you're not nothing. God breathed life into you. You have divinity in you, and you're important, and you're worth me taking my time to make something for you. And so it's so powerful. And so I think, I think we can implement this into every little corner of our life, you know, into how you um, do your, my woodworking hobby, you know. It's like attention to detail, the little things. And so it doesn't always have to be big. So, Lord, I just thank you, God, for this message. I thank you for what you've done in me. Uh, I thank you, Jesus, that, uh, that you exemplified this. You know, you showed, you showed this through every day in your life. And um, I just pray, God, that we are able to implement this stuff. We do it by your spirit, and we do it by faith. And we don't try to work for your um, glory, but we work out of faith. Faith without works is dead. And so we work out of the faith, knowing that we are sons and daughters of you. So uh, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in today to the Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us slash giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church Clearwater. God bless you, and the best is yet to come.